this morning. And while we're turning, let me, let me ask us. Let me ask each individual one of us this morning, are you whiter than snow this morning? Positionally speaking, I'm not, I'm not asking what you did this morning. I'm not asking if you argued with your spouse on the way to church this morning. I'm not asking kids if you were short or even rebellious with your parents this morning. It's not what I'm asking. But I'm asking, has there ever been a time when you have been washed whiter than snow? So I'm not sure, how does that happen? Well, the Bible tells us that a person needs to acknowledge who they are, that they're a sinner, and needs to come by faith to the realization that there is one who came and paid the price. He was the perfect substitute, the perfect sacrifice. He shed His blood on the cross of Calvary. He died, He was buried, He rose again. And He did all of that so that He could be the perfect sacrifice. And then the Bible says a person by faith, complete trust, complete faith, in nothing else but in that complete and perfect substitute, the Lord Jesus Christ, they place their faith in Him and Him alone. And they call upon Him for salvation. And the Bible says at that moment that the blood will be applied, that our sins are forgiven, that we'll be washed white as snow. So has there ever been a time in your life when you've called upon the Lord Jesus Christ to save you? And if you haven't, I pray that today before we leave this property, maybe even before the message is over, that you would simply in your heart say, Lord, I know who I am. I'm a sinner. I deserve hell. I deserve death. Lord, I'm thankful for what Jesus Christ did. He died on the cross. He shed His blood. It's that blood that was shed for, our, excuse me, for the remission of sin. Lord, right now I'm calling, calling upon You to save me. But what a wonderful day that would be. Today would be your spiritual birthday. January the 28th, 2024 would be your spiritual birthday. Psalm 127 is where we're at this morning. I'm not going to have you stand for the reading of the psalm this morning. But I am going to have all of our kids to stand, not to leave yet. But I want all of our kids that are going to go to junior church in just a moment. And all of our teenagers, let me have all of our teenagers stand as well. You're not leaving though. Okay, when we dismiss, you're not leaving. But I want all of our children who are going to leave in just a moment, I want all of them to stand. You can do that right now. That'd be good. All right, and all of our teenagers as well. Now, I want to read Psalm 127. A song of degrees for Solomon. The Bible says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so He giveth His beloved sleep. Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. 
As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. I love that phrase that's mentioned many times in the Scriptures. We've looked at it before. But he says, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. And before these kids leave, here's my question. Out of all these kids and teenagers, which one of them, or maybe even several of them, which one of them are you okay losing? Which one of them are you okay with losing? And I think I know the answer to that. And the answer would be to none of them, right? We don't want to lose any of them, do we? And by the way, I'm not talking about physically. It's not natural for a child, it's not natural for a parent to bury a child. I'm not talking about that this morning. I'm talking about spiritually. I'm talking about in 10 or 15 years when some of us need to be replaced and some of our positions and our ministries, we need someone to step into Who or which one of these young people, these young boys and these young girls and these young men and ladies, these teenagers, which one of them are you okay losing? And the answer is none of them. Okay, so the answer or the question for us as adults this morning, and even for our teenagers as well, but mainly for our adults, what are we doing to keep that from happening? Because it's not okay to lose any of them. And we are. It's not okay that we lose any of them. Why? Numerous reasons, and we'll speak about that this morning, but numerous reasons. But verse number 5 gives us a, a very sobering reason. It's because we have an enemy who needs to be battled against. And we are the ones who are training the army who's going to battle against the enemy. And the Bible says there, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. It's not okay for us to lose any of these. You say, well, pastor, none of them are mine. If you're a member of this church, they're yours. I understand they don't live with you and you don't have maybe, you don't bear as much responsibility as the mom and the dad that they live with. I understand that this morning. Or maybe the grandma and grandpa that they live with. I get that this morning. But you bear responsibility this morning. Maybe as a Sunday school teacher or or just as a member, someone they can look up to, someone that they can say, you know what? He loves the Lord. She loves the Lord. I want to love the Lord. I want to love the Lord the way He does or the way she does. And so I want to preach to us this morning. I want to speak to us for the next few moments regarding this subject. And here's the title of the message. And let me say this before I give you the title. If we're going to be salt and light, we need to be salt and light in the home. We need to be salt and light in our church. We need to be salt and light with these young people. We need to stop the spread of the corruption with our young people. So we need to be salt and light with them. Here's our message. We must never hand over our heritage. We must never hand over 
our heritage. Kids can be dismissed to junior church and to toddler church this morning. Teenagers and other kids, y'all can have a seat. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us today. We must never hand over our heritage. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the encouragement that it is to us. Thank You for the challenge and the admonition that Your Word is for us even this morning. So Father, I pray that You would empower the preaching of Your Word over the next few moments. And I pray that You'd challenge every single one of us as members of this church, as parents, as grandparents, as Christians. We must never hand over our heritage. Father, my heart's desire as the pastor of these children is that one day if you never move them away, if, if, you, if your will is to keep them in this area, Father, that in 10, 15, 30 years they are still thriving members of Maranatha Baptist Church. By the way, that's the way it ought to be. But Lord, may you challenge us this morning that you've given us responsibility. And Father, we don't want to lose any of them. That's how big the task and the responsibility is. Father, I understand this morning that when children grow up and they become young adults, I understand they can make their own decisions. I understand that, Lord. But Lord, may we have done that which you have desired for us to do to make sure that they are your servants, your soldiers, prepared to speak with the enemy at the gate. Help us in these next few moments, Lord, and I'll thank you for what you'll do in our hearts and our lives. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let me give you number one. We're not going to take time for introduction this morning. just want to give you the outline of the message this morning of Psalm 127. I want to begin here, first of all, this morning. I want us to begin with seeing the home or homes that God builds. Because here's the truth, and I didn't say that we build, although we do have a part in it, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But it's not the home that we build, it's the home that we allow God to build. Because did you notice what the verse says, the the psalm begins? He says, except the Lord build the house. Now, do we have a part of that? Yes, and we'll speak about that. We are to be stewards, and we're to steward what God has given us, but it is the home that God builds. Let me give you some characteristics of the home that God builds. First of all, that home that God builds is a home that is surrendered to the Lord. It is a home that is surrendered to the Lord. The Bible says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Notice this, except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is a home that is surrendered to the Lord. It's a home that is surrendered to His Word. 
It's a home that is surrendered to uh, the way that He wants us to go. It's a home that's surrendered to His will. It is a home that is surrendered completely and totally to God. It is surrendered to His Word. Doesn't mean that everybody in that home is perfect all the time. Doesn't mean that, that everything in that home is, is, is uh, without confrontation at times. No, no, no. But it is a home that is surrendered to the Lord. Lord, if I get off of the path and Your Word shows me and it will show me, Lord, I'm going to get right back on that path because I'm surrendered to Your Word. Lord, I'm surrendered to Your will. Whatever You want me to do. By the way, parents, whatever God wants your kids to do. You ought to be surrendered to that. Do, do, do you have an idea in your mind what you want your children to do? Maybe you do. And, and I'm not saying that's bad this morning. But we ought to be surrendered to what God has for our children. A home that God builds, first of all, is a home that is surrendered to the Lord. But secondly, it is a home established on the Lord. It is a home surrendered to the Lord, but it is a home established on the Lord. We know Matthew 7, we're not going to go over there. We, we've seen that passage numerous times. Also mentioned in the book of Mark as well, but in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through about 27, 28, it speaks of the wise man and the foolish man. The wise man builds his house upon the rock. And the foolish man builds his house upon the sand. I'll be repetitious again, but the Bible says the storms come to both. It doesn't mean just because the house is built upon the sand, or excuse me, the, the, the rock, that there aren't going to be any storms. No, there are going to be storms. The Bible says the storms come and the waves come and the waves beat against the, the homes. The wind blow against those homes. But it depends and it matters upon what they're uh, excuse me upon that which they are builded i know builded is not a word but it matters what we build our homes upon first of all a home that god's build excuse me that god builds is a home that is surrendered to the lord it is a home that is established on the excuse me on the lord on the rock on His Word. If you remember there in Matthew chapter number 7, He's ending the Sermon on the Mount and He uses these two men. He compares these two men simply to say, look, that man that listens to everything I've just said in chapter 5, in chapter 6, in chapter 7, this sermon, we call it the Sermon on the Mount. Everything, that individual who, who will listen and hear and take heed, that man is considered wise. But that man who has just heard, he has just sat and listened to everything I've just said. Christ, Christ is the one speaking. It is Christ's words. And he said, that man who has just heard everything I've, I've said and everything I've proclaimed. But he decides he's not going to listen to it and he's going to build his house upon a sand. That man is a fool, the Bible says. The wise man, the foolish man. Listen, we, we have so many people talking about what's wrong in our country and how do we fix it and, and, and we, we need more money and we need more education and we need more police officers and we need, we need uh, more, more activity centers for the kids so that, so that they're not uh, 
they're, they're not left to themselves in the afternoon after school and, and they're not getting in trouble because they, we have these activity centers for them. That's not the answer. It's not the answer. The answer isn't more money. The answer isn't more activity centers. The answer isn't building more gyms so they can come and play basketball after, after school. That's not the answer. The answer is a mama and a daddy who love their kids and teach their kids the Word of God and show them that killing other people is wrong. That's the answer. The answer is God's Word. The answer is training children to be surrendered to God's Word and to be established upon God's Word because if they're not, the Bible says they're going to be foolish and they're going to live foolish lives as opposed to living lives of wisdom, lives built upon the rock. The home that God builds, first of all, is a home surrendered to the Lord. It is a home established on the Lord. By the way, we've thrown money at things for decades, have we not? And we are in trillion, trillions and trillions of dollars of debt and we're worse than we were. Because that's all we're doing. We're throwing money at stuff. And money, the love of it, is the root of all evil. Instead of saying, no, no, no. Hey, how about we teach them the Word of God? How about we teach them to be good citizens? How about we teach them what the Bible says about loving each other and about loving your brothers and, and, and what the Bible says about salvation and what the Bible says about handling money so that you don't have to go steal and rob and kill. It's a home surrendered to the Lord. It's home established on the Lord. Let me give you a third thing. It is a home sustained by the Lord. Look at verse number 2. It is a home sustained by the Lord. The Bible says it is vain for you to rise up early. Is it wrong to rise up early? No. He said it's vain. It's worthless. It has no value if you're doing it without the Lord. Don't forget verse 1, except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it, except the Lord keep the city. The watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. It is a home sustained by the Lord. Not by you. Not by, me. by the way, let me say this. Not by your worries. Well, I'm just a worrying daddy or I'm just a worrying mama. Worry is sin. Philippians 4 tells us that. No, no, no. God Almighty sustains the home. God Almighty is the one that gives the strength to be able to build the home, to be able to steward the home. It's the Lord who sustains us. It is a home that is surrendered to the Lord. Let me ask you, mom and dad this morning. Let me ask you, grandma and grandpa this morning. Let me ask you, just individual Christian this morning. Is your home surrendered to the Lord this morning? Is it surrendered to the Lord? Lord, this is your home. This, is, this physical dwelling place is yours. And the people who live inside of it, we want them to be yours. The activities that are done inside of these four walls, we want those activities to be well-pleasing. We want them to be sprinkled with salt. To be acceptable in your sight. 
They're surrendered to the Lord. They're established on the Lord. They're sustained by the Lord. But let me give you a fourth thing. A home that God builds, number four, is stewarded by us. Stewarded by us. It's surrendered to the Lord. It's established by the Lord or on the Lord. It is sustained by the Lord, but it is stewarded by us. God has called us and He has placed us in a position of stewardship. And so in verses 1 and 2, He's not saying that it's wrong to work. He's not saying that it's wrong to labor. He's not saying that it's wrong to be a watchman. He's not saying any of that. But He's saying that it is wrong if you do all of that apart from the Lord. By the way, notice the title of Psalm 127. A song of degrees for Solomon. If anybody would have known about vanity, it would have been Solomon. Right? Ecclesiastes. Vanity of vanity, all is vanity. Why? The wisest man to ever live. Because he did much of what he did, especially in his later life, he did much of what he did without the Lord. And anything we do without God, and without God's strength, and without God's power, anything, and apart from God's Word... Anything we do is vain. It is a home stewarded by us. We are to work. We are to watch. And we're to do that because of the worth of those that God has placed under our stewardship. Children are an heritage. The word heritage, it means a possession. It means a portion. It means an inheritance. When God gave you children, He gave you a possession. He gave you a portion. He gave you an inheritance to steward. By the way, it's priceless. It's priceless. And I know sometimes, and I'm sure that, I mean, they, they, they don't ever... They don't ever say anything or bristle or, or bow up. I know sometimes my children probably think that I'm a little too much. And your children probably think that too sometimes. But if I'm ever a little too much, it's only because of how precious they are. I don't want the enemy to get them. I don't want the enemy to have them. I don't want the devil. I don't want the world. I don't want the flesh to have them. I don't, listen, I don't want one day when, when, when other young people who have grown up and they're meeting the enemy at the gate and they're standing firm and they're battling against the enemy every day and they're getting up every day and putting on the armor of God from Ephesians 6. I don't want them to be battling against one who grew up in my home. I don't want them to be on the other side. I don't want one of the children in here, one of the teenagers in here to be on the other side, the one coming to the gate to meet good, young Christian people who've grown up to love the Lord and who are going to meet the enemy at the gate. I don't want any of them to join the enemy is what I'm saying. I don't want any of them to be a traitor to their God. It is a home that is stewarded by us. We are to work. We are to watch. And none of us are perfect on this, I know. 
But boy, we sure ought to strive, shouldn't we? We ought to work. We ought to watch because of the worth of those possessions of that heritage that God has placed into our hands to steward. Number one, we see the home that God builds. Number one, the home that God builds. Number two, we've already spoken about it. That fourth point leads us into this thought when we think about stewarding. Number one, we see the home that God builds. But number two, we see the heritage that God bestows. We have been given a gift from Almighty God of which we are to steward. God has bestowed a priceless heritage, a precious reward upon us. And it is to be guarded and stewarded. doesn't matter how many children you have in here this morning or how many children we have in our church. They're all precious. They're all priceless. God has given them to us to steward. The Bible says, we'll get to this in just a moment, happy, happy is the man that hath his quiver full. Is your quiver full this morning? That's not part of the message. I'm just asking Happy is the man that hath his quiver full. Number two, the heritage that God bestows. The Bible says in verse number four, and I want to take this and for the next few moments, I, I, we've, we've done this example before and I want to do it again this morning. In verse number four, he, he equates, he compares children to arrows in verse number four. He says, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Those children that God gives you, those arrows that God gives you, He gives you them to steward and to mold as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man. And what does a mighty man do with those arrows? He prepares them for the battle. He prepares that arrow for the battle. Let me give you several things here, if I could, this morning about the arrow. First of all, this morning, arrows must be straightened. By the way, we buy arrows, they come straight, right? Arrows must be straightened. You don't have to turn there, you can't, it's very close. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 25 The Bible says, let thine eyes look right on and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. We want to prepare arrows. The arrows are going to be used to meet the enemy in the gate. We want to prepare arrows. We want to prepare children who are straight. They're not crooked. Now I understand, look, they're going to make mistakes and and maybe they're going to have some little blemishes and some little dents on that arrow. But listen, the dents don't make it fly as straight as it would if it was straight. That's why it's foolish for a parent to say, listen, I want my kids to experience some things and so they'll know how to handle it. Listen, we we can teach our children what the Bible says and they don't have to experience and have regrets. I want them to sow their wild oats so that they can have some experience. Why? Why would we want that? Why would we want the arrow to have dents and curves and be crooked so it will not fly straight? No, first of all, arrows... 
must be straightened. How does that happen? It happens by the Word of God. Secondly, arrows must be sharpened. How does that happen? Again, it happens by the Word of God. Arrows must be sharpened. Proverbs 27 and verse 17. We spent a couple years ago, our theme was sharpened. In Proverbs 27 and verse 17, the Bible says, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. How do we sharpen each other? We sharpen each other with the Word of God. Arrows must be straightened. Arrows must be sharpened. Let me give you a third thing. Arrows must be stabilized. Anybody know what stabilizes an arrow? It's these three little things that are right here, they're called veins. Called veins. Arrows must be stabilized. Again, with the vein of scriptures. Three veins here, so I'm going to give you three words. With the vein of scripture. I'm going to give you a word a lot of people don't like today, but with the vein of standards. You see, here's the thing. A standard is just something that helps me protect my conviction. And let me say this. You have the same Bible and you have the same Holy Spirit I have. My convictions and your convictions should not be different when we're talking about biblical convictions. Now, we, we may have some personal convictions. Right? We've mentioned this before. Your personal conviction may be that, that, that Ford is a good vehicle. Right? And my personal conviction may be I want a vehicle that actually runs. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I like Ford. Okay? But that, that's a personal conviction, right? I'm not going to die on that hill. Okay, there's a difference between personal convictions and biblical convictions. Our biblical convictions shouldn't be any different. Well, Pastor, that's just your conviction. No, 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 no. If the Bible says it, that should be your conviction too. Now, I understand sometimes we make convictions out of things that shouldn't be. I understand that and I'll give you that. That's fair. But if the Bible says it, then every single one of us ought to have the same convictions. Because we have the same Bible, we have the same Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in me is not different than the Holy Spirit in you. It's the same. So we should have the same biblical convictions. However, sometimes our standards are different. Because a standard is that which I use to protect a conviction. Make sense? And so how do I stabilize the arrow? I stabilize it first and foremost with scriptures. But then secondly, I stabilize it with standards. I help my children know that, hey, you need to have some, some protections set up in your life so that you can protect biblical convictions. Make sense? Okay, I have a biblical conviction that that profanity is wrong. I hope you have the same biblical conviction. Okay, to help protect that biblical conviction, if we're ever listening to anything or we're ever watching anything in our home, 
and profanity is uttered, it immediately goes off. That may not be your standard, but that's my standard. And it helps to protect my conviction regarding the matter of profanity. Just to give you an example. We, we could go on and on and on with different standards. But standards help a child and help an arrow to be stabilized to know, you know what, that is something. Now, when they get a little bit older, their standards may change a little bit. But they need to understand, hey, son, hey, sweetie, hey, daughter, you need to set up some standards in your life to protect your convictions. It's amazing to me, and I'm not going to get sidetracked this morning, but it's amazing to me that Christians can adhere to standards in every area of their lives except when it comes to church. They'll go to work. They'll have a workplace that has a standard regarding what time you're supposed to be there, regarding how you're supposed to conduct yourself. But for some reason, the church is not supposed to have standards. The church isn't supposed to... We we would use the word rule. We're not supposed to have any standards to help protect the, the convictions that we have. Look, we have standards about who works in the nursery and who doesn't. We have standards about there are to be two people on the church van, two adults on the church van every time we pick up kids. Uh, there are to be uh, two ladies in the nursery. We have those standards to protect. Now, I, this one goes a little bit further. It protects us our liability and all that, but it also protects us against harming children. It also protects against maybe someone who has bad thoughts about harming children. If there's another adult there, it can give protection. I don't know why, why you have to have two people on the van. One person can do it. Can one person do it? Yes. But it, you're not protected if you don't have someone else there with you. Can I go make a visit by myself? Absolutely. It's better if I have somebody with me. By the way, Jesus Christ sent them two by two. Why do you always send pairs out when you go out visiting and so on? And why do you do that? Because Jesus Christ did it. Because He sent two by two. And because you're going to get in a situation sometime and you're not going to knock on the door and you're going to get in a situation where you need to have someone else there to pray for you, to help you, or just to be a witness. Or just to pull you back out of the door, you know, whatever the case would be. With the vein of Scripture, with the vein of standards, let me give you a third one. With the vein of support. With the vein of support. You know what our kids need? They need mama and daddy to support them. And by the way, sometimes that's affirmation and sometimes that's admonition. But they need mom and dad who are going to support. Mom and dad who discipline and train, absolutely. But mom and dad who support, yes. Hey, we're we're your biggest cheerleaders. By the way, every young person in this church, whether it's a little baby, whether it's a a toddler, whether it's a primary, a junior, a teenager, whatever group we would put them in, a, a young adult whatever group they would be in, 
everybody in this church, adult-wise, adult y'all ought to be their biggest cheerleaders. Right? Because we want them to succeed spiritually, right? More, more than succeeding physically, we want them to succeed spiritually, do we not? Because the arrows must be straightened. The arrows must be sharpened. The arrows must be stabilized. Let me give you a fourth one. The arrows must be submitted. The arrows must be submitted. I'm, I'm speaking to the children now. They, the arrow is yielded, is submitted to who? To the shooter. This little, we would call it a notch. It's really called a knock. But we would call it a notch right there. That little notch makes this arrow submitted to the bow, submitted to the one shooting it. The arrows must be submitted. Teenagers, I would address you for just a second. You have a mom and dad who's trying to straighten you, trying to sharpen you, trying to stabilize you. Boy, we, we, there are a lot of unstable people out there, aren't there? A lot of people filled with drama, aren't there? I don't like drama. And it's funny, I know some people who say they don't like drama either, but boy, they just fill their lives with it. I don't like drama. But then you look at their Facebook page and then you talk to them and their life is full of drama. No, no, no. I want to raise some children who are stable. And by the way, they're stabilized by the Word of God. They're stabilized by a mom and dad. They're stabilized by adults in their church who support them. They're stabilized by some standards that said, this is going to help me protect my biblical convictions. I, I'll say this today. My standards, as just as an individual, are different than my mom and dad's were. My standards are more than my mom and dad's standards were. Now, I would be okay if my kids grew up and their standards were higher than my were, mine are. But I don't ever want them to be lower. Might be different, but I don't want them to be lower. Because I don't want them to take that protection away from protecting a conviction. Stabilized. And then arrows must be submitted. Then let me give you number five. Arrows must be, and I need to go, arrows must be shot. Shot for the Lord Jesus Christ and shot against the enemy. Shot for the Lord Jesus Christ and shot against or at, if we could use that word, the enemy. The Bible says in verse number 5, if you're still there in Psalm 128, it says, they shall not be ashamed. Hey, in verse 4, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, moms and dads, you're supposed to be that mighty man who is taking the arrow and he wants his arrow to be perfect for the battle. He's a mighty man. He's a warrior. He's one who fights and he's a great strategist. He's a great warrior. And he wants that arrow just to be exactly perfect so he can go shoot it at the enemy. These children have been placed in our hands. We're the stewards. We're the mighty men who are supposed to be preparing these arrows for battle to meet the enemy in the gate. And he says, Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. 
you're going to go to battle, you want to have a lot of arrows, don't you? They shall not be ashamed. What are they not going to be ashamed of? They're not going to be ashamed of an arrow that is not prepared for battle. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. And by the way, let me say, it's not just about having a bunch of kids. It's about making sure those kids are prepared for the battle. It's about making sure that those arrows, how many ever there are, in the hands of the mighty man, they're prepared for the battle. They're sharp. They're straight. They're stabilized. They're submitted. Because here's the truth. We want the children, we want the arrows to be submitted to us. But if they'll never be submitted to us, they'll never be submitted to God. By the way, they need to be submitted to God first, and then they can be submitted to us. We want them to be submitted. Well, I want my child to be his, his own person and, and his own little personality and her own little personality. I, I get that. We're all different personalities, aren't we? I saw something, I don't know, I don't even know, I don't know if I heard it or saw it, but something the other day and someone made the comment, well, you know, it'd be a, be a, be a dull world if everybody was like me. And one of my children looked at me and we both kind of at the same time we were kind of like, eh. eh. That is true though, isn't it? He gives all personalities and we're all different. Some are more outgoing. Some are some are extroverts. Some are introverts. Uh, some are witty. Some are not. Yeah, I mean we're all different. But we should all be submitted. Doesn't matter. My, well, that's just my personality. You know, I have a I have a strong-willed personality. You better submit that strong will to God. If you want to be an arrow in the hey, no mightier hand than His, right? Now I believe here he's talking about parents. As arrows are in the, in the hand of the mighty, of the mighty man, excuse me, I believe he's talking about parents here, but listen, no mightier man than God Almighty and our arrow, our lives ought to be in his hand. Number one, the home that God builds. Number two, the heritage that God bestows. Arrows need to be straight and sharp and stabilized, submitted and shot. Then let me give you number three. Number three, the hand that God blesses. Number one, the home that God builds has to be surrendered, has to be established, has to be sustained by the Lord, and it has to be stewarded by us. The heritage that God bestows and the hand that God blesses. What is the hand that God blesses? Happy is the man, verse 5 says, that hath his quiver full of them. In verse number 4, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty hand, excuse me, of a mighty man, the hand that God blesses. Three things quickly and we'll be done. Stewarded children produce a supplied hand. Stewarded children produce a supplied hand. Quiver full. Quiver full of arrows ready to speak with the enemies in the gate. Number two, stewarded children produce a satisfied hand. The Bible says there shall not be ashamed. Stewarded children produce a supplied hand. 
parents this morning, I understand what culture we live in and I understand what year we live in, but God's Word hasn't changed. Children today still need to be disciplined the same way I was disciplined 40 years ago. Children today still need to be disciplined the way children in the first century were disciplined. And God lays that out in the book of Proverbs. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man. You want to be a mighty man? Then listen to the word of God. Train and prepare your arrows according to the word of God. Stewarded children produce a supplied hand. We can't sit back and just hope that our children turn out okay by default. By default, they will turn out bad. Because if we've rejected what God has said, then, then we're, even though maybe we don't have bad intentions, but based on what the Word of God said, if I'm rejecting what God's Word says about any area of my life, then I am living foolishly. I'm living apart from wisdom. Stewarded children produce a supplied hand. Stewarded children produce a satisfied hand. Shall not be ashamed. Number three, stewarded children produce a strengthened hand. The Bible says, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. A strengthened hand. A supplied hand, quiver full. A satisfied hand shall not be ashamed. They'll speak with the enemies in the gate. A strengthened hand. Every single one of us at some point or some time, our hands aren't going to be as strong as they used to be. My hands were probably the strongest they ever were probably in my late 30s, early 40s. They're not as strong now as they were then. I'm talking physically. Why is that? It's called age. It's called your body's dying. Thanks, Pastor. Just encouragement today. You understand what I'm saying? We need youth, vitality for strength. Young men and young ladies who are going to be prepared, arrows in the hand of the mighty man. By the way, as parents, we prepare, but we, we submit them to the hand of the mightiest. We say, Lord, use them. Use them to battle the enemy. Lord, use them to punch a hole in the darkness. Lord, use them to spread the gospel. Lord, use them to tell others about Christ. Lord, use them even in their schools right now uh, to, to tell people about Christ, to give the gospel, to tell people what's right and what's wrong. Stewarded children produce a strengthened hand. The home that God builds, we have to let Him build it. The heritage that God bestows. Children are an heritage of the Lord. They're a portion. They're a possession. God is, they're priceless. They're an inheritance. And God has given them to us to steward. And the hand that God blesses. And the hand that God blesses is the hand. The mighty man. The mighty mom. The mighty dad who prepares the arrows to speak with the enemies in the gate. That's why, and we'll, we'll mention this even tonight, and I'm done. I know it's a quarter after. 
I'll mention it tonight in the, in the teacher's meeting. That's why we don't waste time. We can't. Sunday school, we don't waste time. Master club, we don't waste time. Sunday school is not a time to show videos. Sunday school is not a time to pull up YouTube and show funny videos. Now, if there's a good video that's going to relate to the, to the lesson, that's not what I'm talking about. But, but Sunday school is not a time to waste 10 or 15 minutes talking about uh, videos or, or, or talking about even talking about sports and the weather and all that. It's wasting time. Wednesday night, we don't waste time. Why? Because these times are preparation times. These times are times to straighten and sharpen the arrows. To stabilize the arrows. Are we perfect? No. That's why we can't waste time. Because those times of imperfection, we've got to make those up. Don't waste time. It's not playtime. It amazes me that, that, uh, that schools today, they spend a lot of their time, and I say a lot, not, not, they spend more than they should. They spend a lot of time showing movies at school. And I'm not talking about educational movies. I'm talking about movies that many of you would not let your kids watch at home. What does that have to do with the subject that we're... Oh, they've earned it. They, they were good. And they, they earned these points. And, and so they were good for several days in a row. So we're going to let them watch an R-rated movie. That's how we're going to uh, reward them. We don't waste time. We don't have a whole lot of it. We've got to make the best of it. Because here's the thing. The enemy's army is increasing daily. So let me ask you again and we're done. So which one of them are you okay losing? And I know the answer is not. So let's do what we're supposed to do. Not to lose any of them. Father, thank you for your...